0: Hey folks, welcome back to Ellie Not So Confidential. This is Dr. Scott. I am here with my co-host and bestie.
1: Dr. Shiloh. Hello everyone. She's here. We're both
0: here. So look, we're going to try something this week. This may be not only the podcast, but it may be also uh, broadcast visually. We may, if we can, if I can figure it out, because I'm a Luddite in that respect. But um, Shiloh, you wanna do your fashion show first? Wanna back up a little bit? Okay.
1: I'll back up you describe because I'll move away from the microphone.
0: Okay, okay. This is one of the this is one of the accoutrements of our show today and one of her favorites, the Mickey the Mini Ears. Yes, the Rose ears Gold. In rose gold with a bow and fishtail sequins. We can also see her Starx Ariel Coffee. Yes.
1: Yes. So I am wearing a sweatshirt. It's a million degrees right now. Right. Um, it looks like this Starbucks logo. It's glittery, but it has Ariel on it. Of course, all my favorite things. And what are you wearing today, Scott?
0: I am wearing uh, a gift I got from Dan three years ago, but it's very seasonal. So I can only wear it this season. I'm going to slowly rise into the
1: camera. It says, boo, boo to you. you. And it has hey. a Mickey pumpkin.
0: Oh wait, my microphone? on? lantern. Yeah.
1: yeah, it is. Yay! And I'm as happy as a little girl. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's spooky season.
0: Spooky season. I love it.
1: And, we and unfortunately, talking. and of
0: course, the 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 uh, park is not open, which is very sad because I'm an annual pass holder. Shiloh, you go you go back and forth between being annual pass holder.
1: Yeah, I haven't for a couple of years, um, but I obviously had been for a very long time Um, and this is all relevant everyone because we're talking about Disney crimes today. We are
0: and there are so many aspects of this to cover because it's one of the things that you and I connected on immediately in our friendship. I mean you're a Southern California native so it's it's in your blood. I it was my not my first but it was my first big job. Um, True. First big well-paying job in California way long ago when I moved here and then I became an annual pass um, holder with uh, Dan. And and I also used to go a lot. And we'll talk about how I used it um, and how a lot of people here in Southern California use Disneyland. And some positive ways and some very, very bad <laughs>
1: ways. Use Disneyland. Disneyland. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we... We're supposed to, next week, be at CrimeCon in Orlando, which, of course, we know got uh, canceled, postponed, other things put in place, however you want to put it, and we have been planning this episode to do one on Disney crimes, coinciding with CrimeCon, but who cares? We're still going to do it anyway. We've been dying to do it, plus Halloween, and Scott and I love Disneyland around the holidays. Halloween and Christmas are very special, and um, we'll talk about why weirdo adults like us love that. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it's we and we part of the reason that we wanted to take that perspective and talk about it like that is that two people that we absolutely adore and love that are podcast hosts um have a very different take on it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have definitely a very
0: different take on it.
1: Yeah. Um so our friends at Yeah, No, Yeah, Molly and Katie did a whole, I think it might've been a Patreon episode. So if you weren't um, members of Patreon, sign up to get that, but it was hilarious and it's about crazy adults who love Disney, but I don't know. I, I feel like there are a lot of people out there. Yes, I have a child, so I have an excuse now, but um
0: Well, it's pretty prevalent
1: and it has been, it is.
0: And, but I think that that's a good intro because it, it outlines the fact that as with any kind of subject regarding psychology, we want to be really uh, authentic and, and um, clarify that we have a bias, right? We love it. We love it for, I love it for very specific reasons. I didn't love it the way i do now when i work there because i had a very different experience and it was also a very different time in sort of the age of disney and we'll talk a little bit about that oh before we get too far though into we have something really new which is great um that we want to talk about our store is up
1: yes finally we have a ton of merch for you guys we have um gone through a lot of different companies to see who we wanted to be with and you can find a merch store for la not so confidential on t public and if you go to our website just click on the merch tab and you can get a link there or on most of our social media you can find that but we have we just wanted a lot of options for you guys different items as well as different logos so you can get the regular LA not so confidential podcast art that you love but we also have the blocked lettering that looks like the Hollywood sign lettering with the palm trees that was on our t-shirt that we did last year tons of items with that as well and then we have some new art coming up very soon we're very excited about this. I'm We've very excited some I'm very
0: excited about seeing our new art and our, our graphic artist Amber We would, we also need to put a link to her business on our website because her work is is
1: not only is it It great,
0: like, okay, she's just, we really love her and I hope we have a long relationship with her. She's one of those, like, I love the fact that she keeps asking us questions and we're like, well, we kinda, and then you can tell she's just being so professional, like so
1: patient.
0: She's being so patient with us, like, well, what does that mean? Right,
1: <laughs> right.
0: Or that's not gonna work. So Amber, yes. we really appreciate it.
1: She's like, when I have a, I ask for a profile picture, I need an actual profile. Just because you think it doesn't look flattering, please send it to me anyway. <laughs> and then, of course, she does magic with it. So
0: yeah, that was me being yeah. doing that.
1: No, no, no. Yes. So please go check out all the merch we have, we have masks, we have drinkware, of course, apparel, notebooks. That notebook is super cool. And you take notes like we do. So we wanted to have some fun stuff.
0: Well, I, I don't know if anybody else is doing it. Maybe other podcasts will follow, um, will follow suit. But the notebook, I mean, the first thing I said to you when I saw the notebook and we picked the color is this is like the greatest thing for conventions when we do get back to conventions and you have all of those all that swag with stickers it yep. becomes sort of a living breathing scrapbook of that event and i was like i'm going to bring polaroids cuz yes polaroids still do exist so that we can like get so pictures fun. with people and i think it'd be to- and you know to carry around the convention and fill the whole thing up but oh, it will totally. be it'll be the la not so confidential scrapbook
1: i love that idea <laughs> <laughs> all right back to disney
0: back to Disney. Yes.
1: So what what are the specific things that you love about Disney or the the theme park experience?
0: So, okay, well, the theme park experience can be fun, but you know, even when I first uh moved here in in the in the late 80s and I worked at Disneyland, that was a time where the I think it was Eisner was head of Disney and he did was not putting any money in the parks and everything was faded. I mean, our shows were really cool. Like the show I did was super fun. And I met like wonderful people that I'm still in contact with today, but um, the food wasn't great. Stuff was breaking down. There was not any really new innovation and that has all completely changed. So, I mean, it's incredibly clean um, which is something that a lot of people bitch about a lot of people like, Oh, it's, it, you know, it's an unrealistic view of an America that never was, which actually has some, some merit. I think that that definitely, you know, it has some merit, like, let's not, let's like, let's not white wish white, white wish. Oh, that's a good one. White wish yeah. whitewash Americana at sort of turn of the century, which is what the main main street USA is developed mm-hmm. on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, um, I really like it. I think it's a part of it is because it's, it's the buildup of the expectation that you, there's sort of a sense of safety.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, there's a se- certainly a sense of control because I'm telling you the way Disney works security there and going through the lines to be checked. If the airports used their system, it would go so much more smoothly. True. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing. Um, what else do i love about it so i love that you know what to expect because even within your expectations there are always surprises like mm-hmm. you you cannot believe the things that you find that you never knew and you also can't believe the level of intricacy that went into the design i yep. mean from a design perspective you know, my, my husband, who I talked about as a production production designer, by the way, his movie as a supervising art director is coming out, uh, Mank. Everybody look for Mank. Look for the the trailers online. New it's going to be fantastic. Movie. What's that?
1: New David Fincher movie. Yes. One of our faves.
0: So now that he's done, maybe he can get back on season three Mind of Mindhunter.
1: Mind get on it, David.
0: But uh, yeah, I, you know, you're just always amazed. Now, also, there are other things. The food is, is really fantastic, and it was awful when back in the 80s. I mean, it was just garbage, fair food. It was really bad, um, except for the Dole Whip has always been really great. True, true. But um, one of the things that sort of cemented it into me as an adult is there were a couple of times where Dan was on location for very long times, and I was uh, working in the correctional system but also studying for, for four back-to-back state licensure exams as an MFT and a psychologist. And that is a lot of studying. I mean, that went on for two and a half years, yeah, just nonstop. So what I would do is I would take every uh, Friday I would get home and I would take a Friday or if I had a Thursday off based on my schedule and I would study I would go and do a couple of rides, get some food, sit by the rivers of America for hours with my headphones on and study and then be able to look at nature and then study again. Now there's also something like that. I think that when we look at it from a a psych perspective, we have to understand the necessity of parks and what parks provide any population and Mm -hmm. why they're very important and why there's, why there's, a really fantastic PBS, uh, I think it's a Ken Burns um, documentary, maybe not Ken Burns, but it's on PBS, about city parks across the US and like the people that design them and the psychology that goes into designing these things that are supposed to look natural. And um, the same thing, you know, the, the amount of care that went into Disneyland was designed to appeal to both children and adults. And Walt sure. said that from the beginning. Not saying that there aren't things that are incredibly problematic. There are things in Disney's past that are incredibly problematic that are, that are reflective, reflective of the time. Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not justifying anything. I'm just saying that they are reflections of the time. And there are some things that I think that as responsible adults, we need to look at and go, well, what else could we have expected? And then there are other things, there are other things that we go, well, that movie never needs to be seen again. Right. Like it, right. you know, uh song yeah. of the South, there's just no reason to see song of the South. Like it's yeah. got tons of racial stereotypes in it. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a complete faux history and for good reason. And mm-hmm. I mean, for good reason, they don't let it out of the vault anymore. So
1: yeah. Um, if, the if holidays. you want to hear, hear a good series on that, uh, the podcast, you must remember this did a series yes. on the South. That was really great.
0: Um. The Like you were saying, you know, the, the holidays are done in such an um, unbelievable way that you just you, you can 't it 's hard to describe i mean especially with today 's technology going to um, you know going to Disneyland during the Halloween season and autumn season where they use digital mapping on the buildings and on the uh, cinderella 's ca- sleeping beauty 's castle mm-hmm. and the Matterhorn to turn the matterhorn into um, night on bald mountain and then turn it into a volcano and then yep. turn sleeping beauty's castle into maleficent's castle like you you're watching this enormous structure literally change colors while there are green and purple and orange fireworks going on behind it's it's an it's an amazing experience it
1: is it really is i you know having being more of a disney a disneyland goer in college, I think all of the things that you've sort of named do it for me. The the cleanliness, I think there's a sense of escapism that you can go in, it's going to be clean, it's going to be safe. You know people are going to be on their best behavior. It really is like stepping into a place where you can sort of leave those worries behind especially for those of us that maybe work in jobs where we're thinking about safety and violence and bad stuff all the time, it really is just like, hey, let me walk through these doors. Yes, it's geared towards kids, but there's, like you said, there's always something to look at. Um, I'm totally there for the food. I mean, the food, like you said, I I would usually take my daughter on Mondays because I had that day off of work for the last several years. And it's like, I would eat well all week just so I could go to Disneyland on Monday and not have a care in the world as to what I was putting in my body.
0: I'm telling you that corn dog, I th- I think that they're, they've put cocaine in that hot dog. Must That have. corn dog it is, it is unbelievably delicious. <laughs> and but, then you, you know, walk
1: around the park all fast. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Just like, I got to work that you off. You do that anyway that though. I do. I do. We were, you and I were a real team there.
1: Yeah. Um, I love the history too, you know, the way in which history is kept, if you know you're kind of a just a Disney buff, whether it's the stores and um, you know sort of the museum feel, the displays, the exhibits that they do, as well as like you said, the the stuff that you wouldn't know about unless you hear about it from somewhere you know, you go into Indiana Jones and you know the right place to look when you're standing in line to see the Eeyore parking lot sign because that's where the Eeyore parking lot used to be decades ago. Right. You know, if you don't know that stuff or to turn around on Winnie the Pooh when you go through one of the tunnels and you see the animals from Country Bear Jamboree up there that they've tucked up that you wouldn't, you would have no clue. Like that stuff is kind of a cool throwback, at least to my childhood growing up.
0: Well, And I mean, I don't like, so here's where, like I said earlier about the bias, um, I want to be, you know, certainly I want to be authentic and, um, transparent about any kind of bias, but I also want to look at myself about what my reasoning is. I haven't always worked in corrections. I mean, I, you know, I haven't always worked in forensics and had sort of a particular perspective on the world, but I will say this is that I I grew up at a time in my family in the South where our family w- went from middle class to way below middle class. And my brothers and sisters had, you know, it was a large family, but they had a couple of vacations. But we, by the time I got along, we didn't have vacations. There were no vacations left. Vacation was going to your cousins. And sort of sitting around,
1: hanging out, yeah,
0: you know, visiting, going to go for a visit, you know, like that wasn't what a kid wants to do. But I didn't know anything different, so I feel sure. like I don't know. Maybe I'm working through some kid stuff, but I also love that you. There's so many different levels of humor in what is stacked at Disneyland too. So you're watching cartoons in the little theater. They have a, a multi-screen theater that you stand and watch these Disney shorts. And you realize, like, okay, a little kid is gonna can certainly enjoy this, but there's some really sly adult humor, yeah, in all of these things, and they're you know close to a hundred years old, yeah, very clever,
1: true. very very clever, true. Um, so some of the other, <laughs> when I was listening to uh, Yeah No Yeah's episode, it's so funny because they talk about these you know adults that get married there. Or they do their honeymoon at Disneyland. And I love it because they were like, how the hell are you supposed to get horny on your honeymoon at Disneyland? <laughs> Honeymoons are for sex. What are you doing, people? <laughs> <laughs> but the proposals, just kind of the um, the childless adults that are enjoying Disneyland, as well as taking it up a level beyond you and me, the whole Disney bounding or cosplay It really, I was reading through a lot of first accounts of people who engage in this of just how they say it, it's their thing. It is their hobby. It is their passion to where they're sewing. Absolutely. uh, Or they've
0: got whole Etsy businesses where they make these things, you know, like, yeah, like specific, you know, bespoke uh, Disney cosplay type things. You know, the other thing, like there's a great documentary about people that have met at the at the pavilion, like there's the carnation. I think it's the carnation pavilion, and um, it has swing dancing every Thursday night.
1: Oh, I for remember literally they had that. thirty years. Yeah, yeah.
0: And people have met and gotten married and bring their kids there, and it's also kick-ass swing dancing. Like the I mean, these people—they are so good. So I mean, I get it that like it, it may not be your thing, but we also need to look at like what is you, so what is the lens or the what is the lens that you were choosing to direct in any particular direction i remember working in production on a movie years ago and the wardrobe supervisor liz was this huge bruce Springsteen's fan and i think bruce springsteen is amazing but this was also at a time where he was literally he was really at his peak yeah. so when liz wasn't working on a movie she did nothing but follow his tour around the world and live in hostels and like, you know, sleeping in train stations. She had seen the same show over and over again. And this was like, now that's an extreme example also, because of like you would also, but, and I remember she would always pick fights with me about like, why would you go to a Broadway show when you could go to a concert? And we would have this like back and forth about narrative storytelling and what does it mean to you? But like, how, how is this any different from, somebody whose passion is cars. How is it different from somebody whose passion is ABCDEFG? Right. We all have our things out there. Yeah. It's no different except that we want to judge it because I think for some people that get particularly triggered by it is that like, it's the idea that if I allow myself to like this, then that means I am admitting that there are unresolved child issues. And that's a theme that comes up and, you know, in doing the deep dive and research for this, there's a lot of that online. Yeah. There's a lot of people like, oh, that's completely fucked up. It, what's really interesting is how many British people hate it. Like British oh, bloggers talk about like just how messed up it is. And look, there's a, there's a lot to certainly from a feminist perspective, or I would say from myself as a proto-feminist that there's a lot that's problematic. Um, but we also have to look at it as a reflection of the times. Disney is trying to reflect the times and female empowerment, and I think has done a, a pretty good job. But, you know, they didn't make those fairy tales up. The fairy tales came as cautionary. very. All of their movies, you know, up until the 80s, are based on uh, really sort of these archetypes of myth that exist within our bodies from a Jungian perspective. And I'm not trying to be a shill for Disney or anything, because there's a a thousand different versions across the world for Cinderella. The Chinese have a version, the French have a version, everybody has. So it's representing something. And yes, um, at that time it was, you know, you, you, women had no other role. So it was cautionary. You better get yourself a good husband or the big, the big bad is going to get you. You have to have somebody protect you. So we live in a different time now. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say this also, I remember one of the most fun times I ever had was at the El Capitan theater in Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard, which Disney bought and renovated back to its original splendor. It's just a, a beautiful theater. And I went there with my friend, after having done mushrooms to see the little mermaid. (laughs) So my first viewing of the little mermaid was just like transcendent, you know, it was, you know, like it was super fun. It was like, the visuals were fantastic. The, the humor was really funny. Um, but I think also one of the reasons that that's a particular, you can look at it one way of like, she gives up this kingdom and gives up this power to have less power in order to be with a man sure. and what I would say as you know uh, a gay man who had to go through the coming out process and felt like you know I was on the outside looking in at people that had access to some other life that I didn't have you know that's what that whole song part of your world is about mm-hmm. is about being on the outside looking in sure. so look if there's something about this particular experience that speaks to you take it and if yeah. like, and get away with the, you know, do away with the rest. The rides are, f- <clears throat> the rides are fun. The food's great. Chill.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Thanks for bringing up the little mermaid too, because there's this whole um, sort of theory as to why Disney is very, very popular with sort of the millennial generation right now through social media and the influencers who are just like Disney influencers Um you know, the Instagram accounts. Do you remember the, the DILF account? Like when that first came out, DILFs of Disneyland, Yeah, (laughs) like so genius.
0: There were some great pictures. Yeah. And my, Uh, my, my, my cousin Kristen in my hometown of Huntsville had the Disney diva blog for years. That was hugely successful. That was like, I'm going to help people get the best out of their trips to Disney. And this is how you do it.
1: Yeah. So there there's all of these people of a generation that grew up with what we call the Disney Renaissance, which is the nineties, you know, when all the Aladdin, the little mermaids, the beauty and the beast came out and now they're of the age to have the platforms like blogs and, you know, Instagram accounts and podcasts about Disney to where it's just hugely popular. And I, I, I think that's very true. I mean, that was definitely a Renaissance. I was a little bit older, but my little sister, I mean, we watched those movies a gazillion times yeah. uh on VHS. Um, and I mean they're great. They hold up today, obviously, but um uh, who cares? In in one way I'm like, okay, let's talk about why people love it, adults love it, but then I'm like, who cares? It brings joy to someone. Have at it.
0: Yeah, I mean the 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 hate for it. I mean, I can I can get that there's a point at which and I, this will link into some of the things that we talk about later, but the idea of your whole wedding, like there was a moment where I was actively collaborating with some friends of mine from my hometown and we were going to try and do a guerrilla wedding for Dan and I, we were like going to go and do like a pirates of the Caribbean, all dressing costume and stand up on the boat, you know, and get married like right before the the drop.
1: Oh. My Didn't gosh.
0: happen, but it was a great idea. And um, but like it's it's sort of I think one of the things that that triggers people is like the idea of this sort of princess wedding. So I'm wondering if it's mm. if it's also you know you, it's not just the Disney thing. It's it's also the um, paralleling with something that is an idealized version of sure. something that you know of basically putting some someone committing to bondage. You know, there's a lot of stuff that marriage <laughs> represents in itself which is problematic if you don't look at it healthfully true, like a true. like a partnership.
1: Yeah, so. that's a lot of links to make, but I get it. You know. Yeah. Maybe well, someone I, who wants to be a freaking princess for a day. <laughs> right. And my
0: my point is is that I think that like sometimes people are reacting to their unconscious connections that they're making. But right. that's not to say that that's not legitimate. If you don't like it, you don't like it completely understand. Totally. So but <laughs> It is the happiest place on earth at times, but not always. And we're going to talk about that.
1: True. Do you want to talk about working at Disney? Any of yeah. like signs of the realities of being an employee? Because I'm going to talk about um, a couple of employees in my story.
0: Yeah. Stories. First of all, I want to say like, if anybody's interested, this is a fantastic book. Um, I Dan gave it to me years ago. Mouse um, Mouse Tales. Uh, about working at Disney, a behind-the-ears behind the look at Disneyland. Get it used on Amazon. The book's about 20 years old. It's a fantastic book. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, I'm and it sorry, talks, i
1: sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I just want to let everyone know I did a costume change right now.
0: I saw you were um, so clever about that. So you could have been a cast member.
1: These are my ears from Animal Kingdom, my oh. uh, Lion King. Hang on. <laughs>
0: there we
1: go. Sorry. Please, go on. Go on.
0: So, so i um, I did a show uh, that was snow White 's fiftieth anniversary show Sing and Dance and Hi ho um, a bad a very, very bad um, grainy VHS copy is uh, on YouTube if you want to look for it, and i 'm on there, but it 's going to be difficult to recognize me um, but i had a, we had a blast. Um, it was rotating casted five shows a day. it was a union job. Um, we had a lot of fun. There were a lot of weird rules because this was the time where like, I mean, I remember on the hottest day driving down there with five other people in a car that didn't have air conditioning and um, I had a, I had uh like rehearsal pants and tennis shoes and a denim jacket with no shirt on and the security guard would not let me into the employee parking lot.
1: Oh my gosh. I had
0: to get out of the car, go to the trunk, put on a shirt, put on my jacket and then go through. Which, and then he, wow. and he, I mean, he was being a dick, but he was also like, uh, Your hair's about to touch your collar. You need to take care of that. I was like, oh, I, really? think I'll, I think I'll let our stage manager worry about that. But we were treated really well. There were a lot of rules, though, you know, you, and you followed the rules. And um, they have a lot of security there uh, on many different levels called foxes.
1: Mm. And
0: they are always watching everything, and that's one of the reasons that they keep thing the way that ways they keep things safe. Because, Any silver prior, foxes? Mm, I don't, you know they, they were meant to blend in, so I doubt it. They probably were more like CIA people, you know, that are just like the oh. most unrecognizable. Yeah, you know. But um, I had a I had a good time. It was um, it was physically taxing at the time. It was a show outside. Mm-hmm. um in the middle of summer in really bad air quality back in the in the late 80s sure. early 90s the air quality was really really bad but i had a blast and um there were opportunities like you know i i worked with a woman who looked my age and she was 10 years older you know she was in her late 30s at the time and had been a professional ballerina and she had been working just going from Disney show to Disney show all over the world for a decade, union gigs, tons of money. She's like, why, why would I stop? This is guaranteed money. I've already got my condo. I've got money towards retirement. You know, like she was also kind of in a different headspace than us young idiots. We didn't know like you do what? What money. So that was kind of cool. Um, And I mean, I think there's a dark side to being a Disney employee, which certainly happened during the 90s, because Disney was very much affected by the ups and downs of the economy. And, you know, this book outlines it really well about how many times, you know, like Disney is an enormous employer, and then it becomes your life because you're working there, it's it they treat you well, they pay you well, you end up dating somebody possibly marrying someone and then how do you extricate yourself from that system like you know and there was a time where they were making efforts at diversity but diversity you know you hit a concrete ceiling very quickly and you could only move laterally and that has all radically changed i mean radically radically changed but um one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that there were suicides of employees when there was massive layoffs because it would be people in their mid forties going, I've never worked for another company. What do I do? Where do I go? You know, I didn't, I didn't need an education to be able to move up this high. I mean, it wasn't like massive suicides, but it was a significant number.
1: Well, and I'm sure that's probably common with people that would be facing that at any company. If that's all they knew, that's where all of their, um, experience and, uh, professional sort of worth was that that's really devastating.
0: So, you know, I, I, I had a great time. Um, like I said, the, the food at the time was, was really bad. If I was working (laughs) there now, I would be really worried because the food is so delicious. (laughs) I'd probably have to, you know, carry my food in, um, but and if do you, you want guys want to hear
1: if you guys want to hear about Scott's uh, stalkers from those days just make sure you tune into our stalking episode.
0: Yeah, it happened. I got from stalked from being in that show. Yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, they are really great about making people follow the rules, but there are times that people don't follow the rules because that's human nature. Um, one thing I would say that's really well spelled out in this book, uh, that is almost sort of universal for anyone that works in public service is that, and I don't, this is going to sound mean, and I don't mean it to be mean, but, you know, people, humanity can be incredibly intelligent and also incredibly stupid. And sometimes being in a new environment combined with someone that's not particularly self-aware to begin with, and is not willing to make themselves self-aware, that's a really bad triumvirate of qualities. So there'll be, you know, I remember people telling stories that I, that worked in other areas of the park would say, you don't even realize how many times people come up and say, what time did the nine o'clock fireworks start? You know, what time is the three o'clock parade? where's the parade when the parade is literally walking right behind them.
1: Right. I can imagine.
0: Um, You know, people saying like, what a great idea that they built the park around this mountain. It's like, they didn't (laughs) know that mountain's (laughs) fake. You know, people, people are not particularly smart about that kind of stuff, but um, yeah. So that, that kind of stuff I didn't have to deal with, but I think the the day-to-day employees have to, a real problem dealing with very demanding guests and i think also that has probably gone to a different level now because we live in a world where there's a real divide between people who uh are self-aware and go to a place like this because it is the happiest place on earth and i'm going to be in a good mood and we're going to have fun and people that are entitled yeah you know so one story i want to tell about going as an adult and dan and i were there for the opening day of a ride in California adventure called uh, midway madness mm-hmm. on Pixar pier. It's an amazing ride folks. If you've never been, it is all toy story based. So you get in a cart and everybody sitting in the cart has a little um, rope with a knob and like a little shooter that's attached to the cart. So you can pull the knob, like just yank, yank, yank like this. Okay. So what it does is, is you're wearing 3D glasses, and you're going through an unbelievable, maybe five-minute experience of doing virtual carnival games. Right. Where you're looking at three-dimensional that are popping out of the screen, but all of this technology is based in your cart, and you have a score that you're watching. And so, there are people that have these unbelievable scores because they know which balloons to go for and they know how to aim it. I mean, it's a total blast, Yeah. but so I've never, I had never been on the ride before. It had just opened. We're in line. We're waiting. It's like our, I think we're probably there 90 minutes and the ride shuts down.
1: Oh God. And this
0: announcer says, we are so sorry as with any new, new technology, we're having little fits and starts today. Please enjoy the rest of the park. We don't know when this will open again. And so a gorgeous couple that literally looked like they stepped out of a bank commercial with two toddler kids. And I mean, dressed to the nines, total yuppie. They lost their shit. Really? They lost their shit. Like, This is bullshit. I can't first they were all they were cursing in front of their children, which is never, never correct.
1: And everyone else's children.
0: And everyone else's children, right. And the stuff that's coming out of their mouths is like I turned to Dan and I was like, I feel like we're on candid camera right now because this can't be real. Like they are not like a what would you
1: do sort of situation? Right,
0: right. They can't be losing their their shit like this. And Then a cast member, which is what they call like, you know, a person that works there, cast member comes up and says, we're so sorry, but like, let's let you out of the line. Or like, well, no, we need a refund. This is what we came for. And I turned and I turned to this guy that next to me that looked like he was a member of hell's angels. And he was there with his grandkids, like six foot five built like a, a huge beard wearing, you know, his biker clothes. I looked at him and I would, I said, can you believe this shit? And he just shook his head. He goes, what is wrong with people? Wow. And then he, he goes over and he very politely gets, leans over to the guy and he waves at him. He goes, excuse me, my grandchildren are right here. Can you please tone down your language? And that just escalated the guy even further. And then the biker guy just kind of rolled his eyes and was like, took his kids away. Like literally that family could have walked 15 feet in any direction and there was another ride right there.
1: Well, and that's the sort of thing you have to do is put your, get in that headspace of that stuff might happen. And I totally attribute taking my daughter to Disneyland early to building the type of patience that she has now to be able to stand in a line, conversate, you know, if shit happens like a ride breaks down, it happens and you move on, you do whatever's next, go get a goddamn corn dog, (laughs) you know, come on. What are they going to do? Oh my gosh, you're really upset. Um, Let's let's work extra fast and get the special elves out here to
0: Let me pull the pixie dust out of my ass and magically magically change the times, the the laws of time and space in order to get you on this ride that, by the way, didn't exist like three months ago.
1: Right. Like,
0: calm the F down. Seriously.
1: (laughs) All right, should we take a break and then come back and talk about some Disney crimes?
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about Disney crimes in just a second. We'll be right back, folks. Hey, welcome back. Uh, We had a brief break
1: and And clearly a costume
0: change change for those of you that are are listening to the audio.
1: So two things. I was sweating so much I had to change into a tank top, but it is a Disney tank top. So um, remember when I bought you your home state shirt?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great.
1: So this has the castle on it, and it says home. And then I ran into my daughter's room and found another pair of ears. This one looks like I'm a Mariah Carey butterfly getting married or something.
0: I thought you were like a mermaid bride. That's what it looks like to me.
1: Okay. We all have our interpretations.
0: Yes, exactly. Um,
1: Yeah. But okay. And you're still wearing the same old boring thing?
0: Well, it's the Halloween. You know, I only wear this at Halloween. So I got to get my... I was going to wear... I have an Oswald and a Mickey t-shirts that I really like, but for right now I'll wear this
1: Okay. until they come
0: after us and then we have to blur everything out.
1: Oh my God. Can you imagine? Okay. Let's get Disney dark here. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I am what,
0: okay. Just quick. What happened? Disney dark. You know, that was one of the things that if anybody's interested in looking up, they were considering, and I think they, it was tabled and now it's coming back of doing an entire area of the park, that's all villains, and it would be <gasps> Dark Disney.
1: No way. How cool would that be? That would be very cool. Yeah. Anyway, very cool. Anyway, but back to the Okay. Crimes. Let's do that. I'm going to talk about Missing Person, Rebecca Corium, probably one of the most notorious Disney related mysteries. So on uh, March 22nd, 2011, Rebecca Corium, who was a. British woman. She was a Disney cruise employee. She went missing at sea after she was last seen on CCTV having what seemed to be an emotional phone conversation in the crew lounge on the ship, the Disney Wonder. And this ship at the time was off the Pacific coast of Mexico and this plays into our story as far as investigation because of it being at sea in international waters but she was 24 years old she was quite accomplished she had been a british army cadet as a teen wow she went to university and studied sports science and really really loved working with children as well so she her job on the ship was basically doing activities and engaging with a lot of the younger kids um, but she had been working for Disney only about a year when she disappeared. And apparently I don't know much about this, but when you work on cruise ships, you know, you're on a few months, then you're off, um, because just being on a cruise ship, you know, you need a lot of time, uh, away from that in between being that you are working 24 seven, basically you have very small living quarters. It is
0: not an easy job.
1: Yeah, it does not sound easy. And
0: even, uh, like, even on the Disney Cruise, like, uh, well, Disney Cruise is a little bit better than other cruise ships um, as far as delineation of job responsibilities, but for other lines, and who even knows how many cruise lines are going to exist after COVID is done? I mean, we don't even, I mean, there are some that are already selling tickets, so clearly, I don't know. But, um, you know, there are, I have friends that did shows for other cruise ships, and they said... Like, oh yeah, there's, there's no downtime. You are, if you're not doing a show, then you have to be a croupier in, you know, in the um, casino or you have to do shuffleboard at six in the morning, or you have to teach yoga at five in the morning. Yeah. Crazy level of responsibility. Well, you just,
1: you don't get to go home at the end of the day. Right you know, it's one of those jobs. And I, I, I still am very convinced that um, you encouraged me to have a child so we could go on a Disney cruise all together. Um, so uh, we'll have to see if that happens post-COVID.
0: <laughs> everybody brags about it. Our, my friend Bob um, took his whole family and said, and, and he, Bob can be kind of cynical about certain things. Sure. And he came off and goes, no, if you're going to do it, this is the way to do it.
1: Oh, Everybody says that. Yeah. Well, we'll buy a big suite and we'll all have a big cool experience. Um, So prior, the day prior to going missing, she had messaged her mom on Facebook like she normally did, you know, back then it was like Facebook and Skype that people used um, and also the phone when it would work saying that she would call the next day. Um, So at 5 45 in the morning is when she's seen on the CCTV having this phone conversation and then she had a 9 a.m. shift for work that she never showed up to. So we only have a couple of hours in between there where who knows what happened. I mean, she, she just, she goes missing. So immediately after they're trying to find her, they page her, they check the ship for her cannot find her. And because the ship is registered out of the Bahamas, the Royal Bahamas Police Force is who ends up being called to investigate. And when I say investigate, that means this one investigator gets on the boat for about a day. So it docks back at Los Angeles and he comes in, talks to a handful of people. By that time, her family flies in from England. Disney, you know, scoops them up, puts them in a car, takes them to talk to the captain of the ship and the investigator, uh, and the investigator leaves. So, yeah, I mean, what an incredible, I mean, you have a crazy amount of uh, area to cover (laughs) on this cruise ship with a potential crime here, as well as so many people. I mean, I I just, I have a little bit of information of how investigations are done now, at least in in Europe and in the United States, which is helpful, but it is very heartbreaking to hear about, it's kind of a free for all. I mean, they don't have to do that much of an investigation because technically the jurisdiction is international waters. So it's, my heart really breaks for, you know, people who have loved ones and victims that go missing or end up dead on, on cruise ships because of this.
0: It's also really another example of be careful which line you go on because even if it's a reputable line, the, the people that they're hiring, you know, they're they're This is all about profit. Disney less so I think, but in some of the other lines, it's all about profit. And in the, in a sense it's, they use, they don't do, you know, a lot of the European countries don't do background checks on their employees. So there are some skeevy people that end up working on these ships
1: Sure, and end up, I
0: mean, there's a lot that are not related to necessarily Disney, but there's a, you know, you can Google cruise ship, Um, disasters or cruise ship murders. And a lot, almost all the time, it's an employee, you know, that crossed a bounds boundaries with a woman.
1: Right, right. And I I have a link that will be in our, um, our resources page on our website. And it tells you year by year and what cruise line by cruise line, you can look at what cruise line has the most deaths or missing people. Um, And I'll tell you it's the ones that really have an emphasis on drinking as much as you can go figure. Um So, after her disappearance, and there were zero leads, there were all kinds of rumors circulating um, and you know obviously, this took off in in England because that 's where she was from and a journalist from The Guardian, whose article I will also link, he ended up taking um, a cruise on the same ship, the same route, really just as sort of an investigative journalism piece and trying to talk to people to see, to really, see, one, see it for himself. Employees?
0: But, talking to employees?
1: Yeah, talking to employees That's as really well up. as, you know, just kind of seeing the lay of the land with something as massive as that, trying to wrap your head around it. And it was really interesting. I mean, he did get some people to talk a little bit. Um, you know, the kind of the first bartender that he, he struck up a conversation with said like, well, you know, I'm supposed to say it didn't happen. You know, just kind of like getting that. Like, well, they gotta not talk too much about it. Yeah. Um. He ended up speaking with a female friend of hers that said that they were she and Rebecca were hanging out until about 11 p.m. that night, and that Rebecca was in a really good mood. She was being kind of silly. Um. And then he talks to a man who's doing like sort of maintenance, like varnishing the uh the railing out there, and he says like, Hey, you know, what about that girl that went missing back in March? And, you know, do you think she fell from this deck? And the guy's like, no, everyone knows she, she fell from deck five. And so there were kind of these rumors, like everyone knew, quote unquote, knew that she had kind of gone overboard from where the crew pool was. And the crew pool is at the very front of the ship. It's very rocky up there in the seas. You know, if you guys picture kind of the uh, Titanic, I'm the king of the world uh, <laughs> scene that part isn't usually open to the public because of how rough it is in that area yet that's where they kind of put area for crew members to be on uh, obviously they have more safety training and they have a little bit higher walls there um, but everyone assumed that she had gone missing from there and basically it, it kind of lends to rumor people said that they found a quote unquote slipper up there after her disappearance, which to me sounds so weird because it like the Cinderella reference <laughs> is just so odd. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, was it actually slippers? Was that their word for it? Were they flip flops later? Uh, the flip flops that were f- shown to her parents, they were like, these aren't even hers. They have someone else's name on the bottom of them. Like, what are you trying to tell us? Um, but it, it the family has hired investigators, but eventually they ended up settling with Disney um, and aren't allowed to talk about it anymore. But they did have some investigators look into it, and the tabloids went crazy over in England with it, of course. There was um, a, a good friend of hers talked about her being involved with romantically with another woman on the ship, as well as a man. And so there was kind of this theory, like a
0: love triangle, like
1: a love triangle. So, you know, I mean, with any missing person and presumably a death, you have your different theories. You have, okay, is this a homicide? Is this a suicide? Was it accidental? And so sort of this love triangle issue is, okay, was it a homicide? Was it something that went wrong with that? Um, Suicide, I think, you know, that, that was I saw from what I read and kind of the victimology aspect that I would challenge that with just a lot of the future planning and future talk that she had, um, and not just telling her mom she's going to call her the next day, but, you know, when so, they went into her cabin, she had uh, tickets she had purchased for all of her family right. and things like that.
0: So just to to highlight that for, I, I, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but future orientation is incredibly important in understanding where someone's emotional center is when you're doing any kind of evaluation, especially if someone, if you're doing a crisis evaluation for somebody that supposedly is suicidal or danger to themselves, danger to others is you want to assess future orientation. And it's, it's a huge, it's an enormous factor because when someone is like, well, no, I've got these family commitments, I'm doing this, this, and this, that, really has an impact on whether or not we consider them to be truly suicidal. So what you're saying is
1: deterrence towards ending your life. And we kind of want to assess if someone has reasons for dying and do they have reasons for living? Right. And some of that future planning can indicate reasons for living. Definitely. Um, Accidental, you know, was this some, a slip and fall? Was this, she was upset and she wanted to go, sit up on that wall or you know uh, was there some sort of rogue wave you know people have tried to look at what was the weather like that night right where you know she would have been it's hard because you move from place to place over a couple hours and the weather can change and then you know what are you actually measuring what are you actually looking at so that's pretty tough um it's what the journalist came away with is that there is CCTV everywhere on that ship which I can imagine as well as some of the employees say all of those phone calls on those in-house phones are recorded. So what wow. what is Disney not giving the public or investigators um because the family also said they weren't given anything else except for that real small snippet of CCTV. So Well
0: that's suspicious in itself then. It
1: is. It is. Um Some other weird circumstances, it looks like she's wearing men's clothing on the, the video, like very oversized men's clothing. Um, when she's on the phone, she kind of puts her head in her hands a little bit. A male employee actually walks by and asks, kind of looks like he's asking her if she's okay. And they say on the video that you can see that she mouths that she says, yeah, fine. And then, and then walks away. Um, the detective's handwritten notes from the investigation were, uh, somebody came upon those somehow, um, and indicate <laughs> that earlier in, the, earlier in the night she had in fact had uh, a sexual relationship with her girlfriend as well as this other male. Um, and that other friends still say that when she was on leave from the ship and had been back home, she actually had expressed some fears about being sexually assaulted at some point. So, you know, it's total conjecture. And I think a lot of the material out there are from a lot of tabloid style uh, entities that just ran with this stuff. You know, is it, um, was she feeling pressured to do something uh, was she engaging in a relationship that maybe she didn't really want to be in? And then you're uh, stuck on the ship with people like you were talking about at Disney, kind of having that social circle be all the time. we well, think about it when you're living with these people all the time right. as well. Um, so a, a family investigator also found that when all of her clothes got sent back with her family, all of her belongings, there was a pair of ripped shorts in there. Now, I mean, that could have been done anywhere that doesn't indicate necessarily a sexual assault, but just kind of some some weird circumstances that i would I would say.
0: Well, if and also if you're if you've got limited access to actual CCT and audio recordings from their on-ship phone system, then are you really getting everything that was in her cabin? You know that's
1: It's probably been gone through right yeah yeah exactly exactly um a few years after her disappearance there were some it looked like some activity on a credit card as well as some attempts to log into her facebook um, it, some people have speculated does this mean that she intentionally went missing because that's also something you and i have talked about in the past with missing persons um there there was a, a sighting of her i guess in italy where the person thought contacted the family and said that they were 85% sure it was her. Um, Really the family's kind of chalked up that activity to either like some sort of subscription service, you know, that was trying to charge her credit card or even a hacker on Facebook these days, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, there's certainly, there's a whole legion of hackers that look for, the new, it's like the old, you know, the old Bible scams that were run in the thirties and forties where you look through the obituaries. It's what the the movie paper moon is about. um, Is trying to sell something to someone who's had a family member that's died. Oh, they ordered this right before they died. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: you know, Facebook unfortunately has that when they, when people, there are vultures that just descend. it's like, let's see if we can hack into this person's account and really start, you know, engaging in criminal activities as a result. But, once again, like you're saying, there's not enough information to really even authentically conjecture whether that's a possibility.
1: Right, right. So the the police force in the Bahamas won't release the report. Um, you know, like I was saying earlier, being that it was in international waters, it makes it really tricky for the countries of those citizens that go missing or die to participate in the investigations. Uh, In 2010, though, President Barack Obama had signed legislation that actually does give FBI the authority to investigate US citizens' um, disappearances on cruise ships, which is great. Um, It's very interesting that falling overboard is the most, most commonly happens the very last night of a cruise just some weird, like little tidbits that I found here. Um, those who fall overboard are most often residents of California and Florida, <laughs> but that, you know, that's where cruise ships are leaving from, which is, I'm guessing if it's a cheap, you know, three day cruise to Mexico, you have a lot of like people from LA that are jumping on those, but isn't that interesting?
0: <laughs> no, that is very interesting. I, you know, my, Sister, one of my sisters who, in the last few years, started um, enjoying cruises with a neighbor, which I'm so glad she started doing. I she educated me on a couple of things. I didn't realize there's an entire culture in cruise port cities, which Long Beach, California, would be ours here, mm-hmm. and then Orlando. Um, there are retirees and people that literally have separate sets of luggage, and there they go down because those the food has already been purchased. Like, so they're, they want those ships to be full and they will discount. And there are people that just like that, this is their retirement. They just take cruise after cruise after yep. cruise.
1: Yeah. No cruise culture is, is totally a thing. The longest a person has known to survive in the water after falling overboard is 18 hours. Um, most overboard falls are most often a result of drinking or some sort of mischief such as like playing on the railings or trying to climb from one balcony of a cabin oh. to another. I know. I know. Um That's just complete
0: dumbassery.
1: Men are actually much more likely to fall overboard than women. Surprise. Right. Weird. Um and only about one in five persons have survived falling overboard between the years 2000 and 2013.
0: Well, people also don't realize that when you fall overboard, you're falling an incredible distance. It's not just
1: oh, God, 20 yeah. feet into
0: the water, like off a diving board. You're falling six stories and the impact of the water and the ship is also moving. Oh, so sure. you're getting either, you know, the wake will pull you, push you under and then pull you away there's all sorts of dynamic stuff going on there that work against anybody kind of surviving an event like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, 361 people have gone missing or have gone overboard from cruise ships in the last 20 years. So um, about 10% of those get resolved. And The experts who study this and the attorneys who look into this say that they think only about 15% ever gets reported though. So that's, that's pretty creepy in and of itself. But that, that works out to about, you know, 36 a year, like every two weeks, someone goes overboard somewhere in the world.
0: So I, I think that's really interesting because I, on one hand it's creepy and it's unsettling, but I think, and I mean, if I'm going to be com- try and be completely dispassionate about it, if we're looking at something that's really a huge industry and w- what are you going to do? Are you going to surround each deck with chicken wire that doesn't allow people, you know, there, there's, and right. I'm not, I'm not certainly the people that we're talking about that, that bad things happen to. We're not trying to victim blame, especially in this particular mystery that you've, um, laid out for us. But if the actions are happening as a result of dumbassery, then,
1: right. you know, how do you what account are you for do? all of that?
0: So, and that takes me back because what I wanted to, to share earlier, I completely glossed over it. Um, I don't, I, sorry, I jumped to video. Um, what I was going to say is, so, you know, do you know offhand how many parks there are? No. Okay. So there's six, There are six parks total around the world. And even some of those parks around the world have are divided into multiple parks, but the daily attendance average at Disneyland in the last 10 years is 65,000 people a day. Wow. Now, clearly there are higher levels, you know, depending on what time of year it is school years versus summer, but the yearly attendance at Disneyland in 2018 was 18.6 million. Right. So massive
1: amounts, that's of
0: massive amounts of people. So we have to look at statistically boiling it down to these things that, you know, you and I are sharing as like, you know, horrific events. And some of them are funny and some of them are horrible and tragic, but all in all given what could happen and the nature of human beings to just do, do dumb things, it's kind of amazing that it's not more.
1: Oh, completely. It's I really think it's amazing a very that it's not more. small percentage. Um, and there's there's a group called the International Cruise Victims Group, which I found to be, you know, have a very helpful website. Um, but their goal is to contribute to a cruise industry where passengers and crew members alike both are safe and secure from any sort of victimization while on a cruise ship. You know, kind of having this awareness piece to it as well as preventative piece Because the investigation part is so wonky, you know, and can be so mishandled. So they're really trying to look at it from the front end. Um, They claim that the rate of sex crimes on cruise ships is 50% higher than it is in your average American city.
0: Well... And there are factors too. I think the main factor, aside from what I mentioned earlier, which is, you know, who who is staffing these these ships Mm -hmm. is alcohol. Oh yeah. You know, so alcohol is fueling disinhibition um, and it's this sort of, you know, and people are also disinhibiting themselves. I'm on vacation, I'm going to indulge in this, I'm in this contained safe environment where you really probably should be more acting in a more safe fashion than you are.
1: Yeah yeah definitely um and back to the the guy the journalist that wrote the guardian article said you know a lot of the people the employees know who those kind of shady employees are and they know who to stay away from just like you would anywhere yeah but but that really hit home for me of like this is like a floating small city so you're going to have a percentage that slip through the cracks or is you know an unsavory person or um you know is there to possibly cross boundaries so um anyway there there's not a lot more recently on rebecca's case um again there was kind of family investigations going on but once they eventually settled with disney that was kind of the end of that but i know it's just such a mystery that comes up and a lot of people would love to have answers just another young woman vanished.
0: It's just tragic. I mean, and also, especially when it's clear that this person had such future orientation and that's not what this was, this was not a suicide. So being able, you know, people making a, a, an attempt to frame it as such is just really not fair to the victim at all. Right. right. So uh, another, uh, do you want me to go on with the example I found, which I found yeah. interesting? Okay. So uh, most people know about this, but, um, If you don't, there's a, in Disney World in Orlando or in that area, there is a community development that was start. I mean, I think it was completed over 20 years ago called Celebration. And the idea was that for people that are Disney fans um, and are looking for a particular lifestyle, that this was going to be planned communities where you could have semi-detached homes versus condos versus apartments that were all centered around city centers. And I mean, on one hand it was urban planning that was a pushback against urban sprawl. So instead of it being commuters having to take cars everywhere, this was going to be a planned community where everybody would actually be able to walk and it was going to promote social interaction. Like they were going to have front porches. And I mean, it sounded like a, a a homeowner's association on steroids um, in to some extent, like you don't break the rules because this is Disney. You don't, you're the curtains that face the outside all have to be white. And, you know, these plants are allowed. These aren't allowed. And this is where
1: I totally draw the line. I could not, this sounds crazy Stepford. Well,
0: it, it is. I mean, and that's one of the criticisms is that like how Stepford it, it was and, um and certainly there were there were problems on a number of levels like one of the problems is that it you know anytime you're doing a huge like architecturally and design wise like you can criticize that like oh wait you can only choose between five models of houses and this is it and and no two of the same model can be right next to each other So they were trying to do something that's a vision. And I think it comes back to the idea of, as humans, we we really are pulled towards wanting to make a sense of safety. But there's a level of artifice that starts to be really uncomfortable for us in the same way. It's almost like... um, Instead of the neurological uncanny valley, when we're looking at people that are developing robotics, uh, facial robotics, this is about sort of emotional uncanny valley. Like, well, this isn't really a Victorian home and this isn't really a craftsman home, but it's a little too clean and this is plastic and this is wood. And like, am I just, you know, what, what is my place in this? And what's interesting in the research that I did is that, like, uh, talking to architects and designers, they throw their hands up in the air and they go, but that's the way it's always been. You can't just blame it on celebration. It's that, you know, what you call a Victorian home from this period of time or this craftsman, it's not really. It's a pastiche and a mixture of things. That's what we do naturally. This just happens to be a place That is really structured. Yeah. And, but it, the problem is, is that something that massive takes a long time to develop. And as a result, they hit several, um, building booms and busts and economy booms and busts so that the businesses within it couldn't really. Sustain it. They made a great effort at making it a diverse population, and they particularly targeted the black community and the Latino community, saying, You know, we, we want you here. But there was a huge, as, as the, the building started getting populated, you know, there was a real disparity, not necessarily recognized in economics, but like it was 88% white population versus just outside celebration was much lower. Um, percentage of white
1: in the Orlando area. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: This is outside um, Disney or Disney world. Right. Okay. So, um, immediately sounds like a
1: setting for a horror movie already but well imagine. i mean
0: you know and speak you know like you mentioned the stepford wives is a you know not so much the little newest version but the original version back in the 70s is about sort of this planned perfection and then we have get out which is a version of that which yes. really kind of faces um talks about racial issues and does it extremely well and then what would be the other one um the Truman Show. And yeah. actually the Truman Show was filmed at Celebration. They did it for that reason because... Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of the exteriors were filmed at Celebration.
1: Ooh. So because they already had Disney had a little pact there?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, one of the things that happened was that as good as Disney is about certain things, they did not necessarily make sure that all of the construction was up to code. So some of the buildings within a few years were really having problems with leaking and, you know, it's hard to maintain. Like, how do you have a, you know, basically the miracle of Disneyland is that there's a thousand people working there all night long so that it's fresh and clean when you come in the next morning, yep. there's always fresh flowers because there's been somebody there with a kleeg light at two in the morning, replacing all of the chrysanthemums. Yep. That's just the way it works. So when you try and take that to a residential area, it doesn't really work. So there are a lot of problems. There are people saying that it got very incestuous, like it's a little too problematic in the same way that small towns are problematic. Everybody knows your business. They were talking that there were a lot of like swinging couples and there were retirees moving down there going, hey, we, we didn't sign up for this. We just came down here because we like Disney
1: but did they wear the disney ears while they were swinging
0: probably most likely i that's i'm that's the story i'm gonna stick to so in 2019 um just you know just recently um a really really horrific uh murder occurred and is still being um uh, finally adjudicated most recently but there was uh a man who's owned a physical therapist uh, business. His last name is Tote, T-O-D-T. So I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but I'm saying Mr. Tote moved with his wife and three kids, beautiful nuclear family, um, absolutely beloved by their community in Connecticut. And it just starts to get wonky very fast. So they moved to Celebration from Colchester, Connecticut to Celebration, Florida and uh, he was traveling back and forth. So here's the first thing that's a clue. He's traveling back and forth from Orlando to Connecticut to run his business, which, I mean, I, I get commuting, but running a physical therapy business has a pretty difficult margin for yeah. profit anyway, unless you're doing something. And doing something means you're, you are providing services to major financial medical structures which is medicare mm. so what, also
1: the stepford wives that all took place in connecticut
0: oh interesting stepford, okay yeah. well i mean stepford. what's particularly sad i mean i'm not giving away the any anything cuz we'll talk more about in a second about the the drives behind why this individual committed this crime is you know, this is a, was a nuclear family where all of the neighbors, there's not a single person in any of the interviews that I saw that went, that had anything critical to say about the family, that they were a loving couple. They were high school sweethearts. uh, Just that the husband and wife, like he was very helpful. She was literally an angel, like just Mm -hmm. went out of her way to be, Uh, kind to everyone in the community, just really, really wonderful woman. And um, her name was Megan. They moved down and what happened very quickly is that he uh, came up on massive charges for Medicare fraud as well as other insurance frauds. So his bills and um, lawsuits just started piling up really big. So, What we don't know from the information that I found is we don't know how much his wife actually knew about it, but he's going back and forth to Connecticut. Then suddenly nobody's hearing from the family anymore. The in-laws are calling, trying to find out what's going on to the extent where they finally call the local sheriff's department to go and do a welfare check. Right. So they go, they do a welfare check, they knock on the door, nobody answers. So one of them in one of the articles said that one of the deputies said, I think that we should sit here and wait. I think that, that we need to stay here and um, just check this out and like let let's see what happens. So they're sitting and Mr. Tote, who is short, portly, not a particularly physically impressive guy opens the front door, comes out, sits on the front porch in a chair wearing kind of like pajamas and uh, holds it and has his head in his hands. And he sits on the front porch for a while. And then he goes back in the house. Law enforcement gets out of their car, goes back up to the porch, bang on the door, which is now open and they see him at the top of the stairs really like with bad balance and he's talking to someone. So they identify themselves. They ask him to identify himself. They encourage him to come down the stairs. He's coming down the stairs very carefully. He's having to use the banister. It's like he's either, uh, he's somehow impaired and they ask him, where is your wife? Where are your kids? Oh, I think she's sleeping in the bedroom. So they go up and basically see, this crazy house of horror in the uh, master bedroom where his wife and his three kids and the family dog have all been, are all dead to the, and they've, and it's bad. The smell is really bad. It's been decomposition for probably four to five days. Oh my God. They're already developing what we call skin slip, which means mm-hmm. the top layer of the dermis is starting to slide off and there's an incredibly bad smell. Um, and He confesses, he confesses very quickly and uh, said that he had drugged them and then he stabbed them. But then he then a week later says, I don't remember anything. I don't remember what I said. I don't remember confessing. He basically tries to claim that he had this complete dissociative episode Mm -hmm. and then begins writing letters to, he gets lawyered up very well well let me take a pause here when the coroner started doing their work what they found is massive massive doses of liquid and pill form benadryl in the wife and the kids right i mean massive amounts and then multiple stab wounds in the wife she had two two very significant stab wounds in her abdomen
1: Oh my God. I know he poisoned them. I didn't know he stabbed anyone.
0: Right. And and there was enough Benadryl uh, in all of their systems. And they did like for, they didn't have any blood left, but they were able to do other body tissue uh, toxicity scans or screens. And they were able to tell that all of them had been given lethal doses. And um, hmm. what he later switches his story around is he writes this 27 page email, um, letter to his father that basically starts with don't tell anybody this so clearly for reasons we'll talk about in a second um he has a motivation for that he's lawyered up and he says that and what do we what do you think is going to happen what do you what do you think his um his pivot on his storytelling is going to be now just take Um, a guess
1: some sort of mental disorder
0: well, what just happened with Chris that we talked about? like Chris Watts, what did he say?
1: Um, so Chris Watts said that his wife, Shanann, actually killed the children. And so out of rage, he then did the same thing to her.
0: So that's what, this, that's what Tote is pulling now.
1: Uh, so Tote,
0: Tote says that his wife made a pudding pie for the kids dessert filled with Benadryl and she had poisoned them and that he walked in on her suffocating the children. And when he confronted her, she took a knife and she was commanded, com, planning on committing suicide, but then she had to stab herself in the stomach twice in order. And then he was so overcome with grief. He took their bodies and, you know, wrapped them in blankets and gave them rosaries and, you know, positioned them very, what we would call ritualistically almost in a way. So he's now changed his story saying that, you know, it was a, he was trying, he was walked in on a murder suicide Mm. basically that she had and that she had this long history of mental health issues that were never addressed. And, She had health issues and they were just all exhausted. So basically, I mean, if you were putting a bunch of links in the show notes, which I encourage you to read because it's, it's fascinating, but it's this idea of, we've talked about these examples before of narcissism, where I created this facade of a successful life. By, so much so
1: that I bought a fake Disney house. Exactly. A fake neighborhood.
0: And, and completely by illegitimate means, by, by fraud and graft. And I'm going to keep up this facade. And I'm going to keep up this. I mean, you know, and, and narcissists can do very well, especially when they're paired with someone who is an incredibly empathic person and ends up doing the basically ends up doing all of the emotional work for the entire family. You know, that even makes it easier for the narcissist to operate. Probably what we would talk about in covert, covert narcissism, I would think, but image was everything. And then I think when he got hit with the reality of I'm going down, he just, well,
1: yeah. I mean, which a lot of familicide is motivated by some huge financial loss. You know, you just, there's no way you're going to be able to keep that up anymore. You know, not to say that every male father husband who engages in familicide is a narcissist it could be more of like that's another sort of sense of self of not being able to be the provider and it's a narcissistic
0: act it's a very narcissistic act so it may not be a full-blown personality disordered disorder but it's a disordered act yeah that is goes along those lines that particular pathway
1: interesting especially when you know you say we don't know how much she knew about what was happening or what was going on it, to look at, was he totally keeping her in the dark? Like maybe she didn't even know about the lawsuits or the charges or did she find out about them? And I don't know that it's so, so fascinating. I wish we had that information.
0: And I and I don't think that we're going to have that. So no. the victims, I want to, I def, definitely want to give more, you know, more respect to the victims, Um, Alec, 13, Tyler, 11, and Zoe, four. So two, I guess two boys and a a girl, Uh, adorable family. Like, you know, they're beautiful pictures of them in matching pajamas and stuff Hmm. that is really amazing. But here is, you know, they were already at the time of the crime, they were $6,000 behind in rent or uh, payments for the housing there at Celebration. And he was, so not only was he in debt in a bunch of other ways, but he had defrauded Medicaid and insurance companies of over $130,000. So, um, not to say that there's not a lot of fraud that medical fraud that goes on in this country because there's a shit ton of it, but once they get you, you're, you're going to prison. Like it's just like, and not only are you going to prison when you come out, you're not going to be able to work in that field anymore. It's done. So, um, he had, you know, first confessed and now he's pleading not guilty and he was found guilty. They, um, adjudicated him. He has been, uh, and he was, I think they're now actually trying, they're seeking the death penalty and even people that are not in support of the death penalty are kind of changing their tune on this particular one.
1: Mm. Wow.
0: So, I mean, there's, um. I, I would say, you know, this, the, we're going to put up some show notes. So please read about this. Um, it comes back, it loops around to certainly what Shiloh was saying about our episode on uh, Familicide. And um, there's just some of the articles I'm posting will give you a real picture of what this guy is about. Like some of the excuses he makes are just so ridiculous of, you know, kind of like, Oh, I wasn't in the house at that time. Cause I felt, you know, I was kind of tired with everything that was going on. So I took a, took a little siesta nap in my car oh. and um, then, then woke up in a panic the next morning and, and, you know, doesn't really know what went on in the house. I mean, just really, really poor excuses that wouldn't hold up in any kind of defense really.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. You're so grief stricken that you're just taking a little nap in your car. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I am going to also jump on your Disney murder bandwagon and talk about a case that happened in 2018 in Oregon. So Dennis Day, as maybe some of our listeners will remember, was one of the original Mouseketeers on the Mickey Mouse Club. Right, right. Not the Britney, Christina, Justin version of the Mickey Mouse Club. I'm talking original show from the 1950s. And And that
0: Funicello, yeah.
1: Yes, yes. And he he was a tap dancer and he was one that would also play the banjo. A lot of times on the show. Um, but in 2018, when he was 76 years old, he was reported missing from his home in Oregon, where he lived with his husband, who was 88 years old. And they lived in a home that was people would kind of describe as, you know, that it, they were living on a, a very low income, it was out in the woods a little bit almost hoarder status, you know, just, just a lot of, um, stuff everywhere. And they would occasionally hire a handyman who also sometimes worked, I'm sorry, who worked for them, but also sometimes lived there. So he would, he would flop there every once in a while. And a few days before Dennis went missing, his friend who was a neighbor said that Dennis, wandered down to his home and said, I need you to take me to the police station because this guy, their handyman, Daniel Berta had hurt him. So they get in the car, they drive to the police station, which was closed. (laughs) So I'm guessing in this smaller town, maybe they don't have business hours um, or they don't have anything outside of business hours. But anyway, it was all locked up. They couldn't get someone to answer and they decided, okay, we'll come back in the morning. So the neighbor said that the next day, Dennis never showed up to his place to get a ride to go report whatever had had happened. And so days go by and friends and family end up reporting Dennis missing. Nine months later, and the third police search of his home, a cadaver dog finally hits on an area of the home and they find his remains essentially Mm. after nine months now his husband who was much older and elderly he had gone into the hospital for a number of falls that he had suffered around the time that dennis went missing and then he ended up staying in a convalescent home so this guy berta had just kind of been shacking up at their place this entire time um So Berto was very quickly arrested and charged with second-degree manslaughter, criminally negligent homicide, criminal mistreatment, and abuse of a corpse. Mm. Um, But he was actually found by the judge as not fit to stand trial, and the judge ordered him to a state mental hospital. Um, They didn't reveal the diagnosis. I was really looking for that information, but the psyche valve was all under a seal. So he's sitting in a a state mental hospital. He Berta did tell authorities that he shoved Dennis Day to the ground. And then when he was unresponsive, basically he just hid his body under a massive pile of clothes in the home. Um, And Berta had quite quite the record. He had been a registered sex offender. He had a decades long criminal history for robbery, assault, uh, drug abuse. He had, about a year before this, had really, really struggled with methamphetamine, and some friends said that he was talking as if, you know, he was delusional a lot of the time, saying he was possessed by spirits. So, I mean, just- By what Mickey. Awful, yeah. Oh possessed God. by Mickey. <laughs> One of the 999 ghosts. I'm going to uh, kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh You're an awful person. <laughs> I love you. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a very sad ending to a beloved uh member of the Disney family with dennis day and and his life ending this way. very sad
0: oh sad so I think the one the thing to wrap up with, and we'll talk about a lot more on this. We have more to talk about on our get vocal, but one I wanted to link back around to sort of the idea it's sort of a miscalculation and a misperception to think that these things happen more or more violently in this particular environment when given the number of people that actually go through the park or involved with Disney, it's just what we're doing is we're making connections because it's interesting like it happened to do with this, but we're not saying that there's any stronger connection for any kind of violence or anything. Um, I thought one of the most, I mean, just to end with one of the things I thought was the funniest is somebody was on the Disney Tower of Terror, which is now Guardians of the Galaxy. But it started off as a Twilight Zone Tower of Terror ride at the Disneyland Park, which is really cool and fun ride. And you, there's a long queue to wait for the ride, but there's lots to look at, especially if you were a fan of the Twilight Zone series, because there were props from almost all the episodes.
1: Yes. So good.
0: Very, very cool. But of course, you know, people acting up and, you know, um, this wasn't, who knows if they came in under the influence, but there was someone in the ride several years ago before it became Guardians of the Galaxy that was belligerent and, um, you know, pushing people around and being just a general jerk. And one of the cast members comes up, yanks him by the collar, flips him around and pepper sprays him. And the guy keeps fighting and he pepper sprays him again. And finally other other uh people that are in the line sit on the guy because he won't stop getting up so they sit on him until security can come and take him away and all i could think was like that is the coolest thing ever that they have pepper spray and if i was in that position i would have said what what oh you want some pixie dust motherfucker here's some pixie dust
1: i was gonna say does it have very rude are you covered in (laughs) glitter afterwards like just across your eyes
0: (laughs) it's pepper spray but it's like rainbow glitter that would be perfect
1: or Tinkerbell like, doesn't like you it's like churro smell to it or something yeah. <laughs> exactly. oh this burns but it smells delicious
0: <laughs> oh it's the cinnamon from the churros that's how that's what they made the pepper out of
1: oh my gosh that's so crazy wow so yeah, we've got it's,
0: lots more of these to talk about um, that
1: that rides in california adventure where they do sell alcohol so Totally makes sense.
0: I think I think that they're a lot more careful over there, especially um, about yeah. that particular thing, because alcohol is available in California Adventure. But there's been just a slew of things that have happened in the park with with guests. You know, people have been crushed by rides, um,
1: trapped under have boats, have been hurt.
0: You know, um cast members have been hurt, some cast members have been killed, but I still think that given the amount of people that come through, it would be miraculous if some of these things didn't happen. And certainly then there are other people who try and work these things to their advantage that are really funny. There's one particular one who claimed that in um in Critter Country, where her child went to uh be with Pooh, that Pooh had accosted and slapped her child down causing a head injury and now she's saying that her her child her four-year-old child has uh, seizures and a brain uh, traumatic brain injury and it turned into a huge court case um what was explained as a preamble to the actual court case was that the the cast member inside the winnie the pooh costume had said that he was thrown off balance because the kid was behind him yanking on his costume and the parents weren't stopping. So there's a very limited range of uh, vision within those costumes. And Pooh is
1: very uh, bottom heavy.
0: Yes. Very, very round and soft in color and kids launch themselves at him. I mean, he's adorable. He's really adorable. Um, which is a whole other thing we could talk about. Like you are, you are trained to play these characters. They don't just stick you in a costume. Each one has a personality that they're expected to act out, but Pooh turned around and in the turning around, um, I guess the, the, the hip or something kind of pushed the kid, the kid fell down. And, but they were, the mother said that Pooh turned around and slapped him causing him to fall. So, the huh. guy shows up for court in his poo costume and will only answer Stop as it. poo. And Stop he's it. no, no, no. It's in the news. We're going to send you a link. So he's in the poo costume he, and they're not allowed to speak. So he's like making sort of like covering his eyes and, you know, doing these kind of gestures and stuff. And then what they, but that was a ploy by the defense because they have poo stand up. And it turns out that it what wouldn't have been physically possible for him to slap anybody because his hands don't work at the level that that 4 year old was. Oh
1: my gosh, that's so brilliant. They
0: didn't I mean there are plenty of times where Disney settles but this was one of the ones where they the judge like rolled his eyes and threw the case out immediately.
1: <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh my gosh. I wonder if like he had any trouble fitting in the witness box.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Well, it says he danced a little jig, which who knows. So he must not have been able to sit down, but that's pretty damn funny.
1: That is hilarious. That's a great note to end on. Yeah. We'll have more stories on our get vocal this Saturday following this episode. Um, We have a couple that we didn't get to that are other crimes and that we want to go through and we will actually be streaming live Scott from here I will actually be on the other side of the country streaming live and maybe I'll have a couple friends with me.
0: That's so cool. So I'm please
1: tune in. Happy
0: guys. and jealous at the same time for you.
1: <laughs> All right. This is a lot of fun. Happy Halloween. I hope you guys find something fun to do, even though there might not be trick or treating or big gatherings. Do just watch spooky movies at home or, you know, whatever you could do to make this season feel fun.
0: Here's what I am going to do. I'm going to post a recipe for a Halloween drink that I have every year. It's my famous pumpkin martinis. They're really delicious. I'll post the recipe. I hope everybody will join us with your version of it. If you can get the ingredients, it's only a couple of, it's only one weird ingredient. The rest is all easy to get.
1: Let's do that. And on Get Vocal, we would love if you guys either wear your Disney stuff or wear your Halloween costume and pop in on on our live stream and say hi. All you got to do is like, give us a a Winnie the Pooh wave if you want.
0: (laughs) And we'll be putting up my friend, um, Deb, that we talk about. Deb and I and our summer stock friends from Alabama all got together and did... Uh, a video of the Haxenbrut German Witch Dance. So that'll be posted on Vimeo and we'll put a link to it. So
1: everybody
0: take a look and hopefully we can do a bigger version next year to raise some money for a charity.
1: That would be cool. All right, everybody. Stay safe. Happy Halloween. And we'll see you next time on LA. Not so. Confidential. Bye, Bye folks. We'll see you next time.